Porcelain Peak, a strange and scary podcast dissecting all things horror and sci-fi. Here are your hosts, or what's left of them. Tone, John, and Anthony. Enjoy the trivia while you can. Welcome to our penultimate episode. Our pen and teller episode. <laughs> of season three of Porcelain Peak. Who's excited? Webster's Dictionary defines penultimate as second to last. For anybody who is curious. Yeah, I, I learned that recently. Yeah. So just, there just we go. before this episode. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> Not 10 seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, here's what we're doing this week. We're going to share some news, and then we're going to play trivia. And then for our main discussion, we're going to break down what the Todd Browning Awards are all about. Let's break it down. Yeah. And then for our final cut, we're going to give you a long-awaited watch list. Tell you what we've been doing since we ain't been doing much. Mm-hmm. Before we get started, Anthony, John, how you guys doing? Oh, you said me first, so yeah. I guess I'll go first. I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I got to work from home today because California is on fire. fire. Yeah. yeah, It's literally like less than 20 miles from here right now. Yeah, what do you mean? Oakdale. Oakdale's on fire? Oakdale is on fire. Oakdale, Shit, I didn't bud. know that. Yeah, Smokedale. Not 10 minutes ago. <laughs> not 10 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, I went to work for about two hours and we all started getting headaches. And my boss was like, hey, so uh, it's hella smoky outside. So if you want to go home and work from home for the rest of the day, go for it. So I left at about 11. And you were like, hell yeah, brother, say less. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you're, so like, you're like, working from home is bussin on God on God. <laughs> bussin. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I've just been on YouTube for most of the day while doing my work. I was uh, learning about you know you know what an e girl is, right? Yeah, John. I found out that there is a much more problematic new variety called i ladies. Not gonna get me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Won't get fooled again. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about. I ladies nuts on your face. <laughs> <laughs> He's got it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, John, how you doing? <laughs> Not bad, not bad. I just got off work as well. Uh, are, you, are you double shirting? Yeah, I got my work shirt on under this one. I had a little interesting shower thought this morning that I thought I'd share with you guys. So, is it? Where's my penis? <laughs> <laughs> I can't see it. My belly's too big. I haven't seen it for years. <laughs> uh, do you know of the clapper? Like yeah. the to turn the lights on? Yeah, off? clap on. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, did the inventor of the clapper just? Basically, by inventing this, admit to the world that he was some sort of Omega Virgin or had just been in like a loveless, sexless relationship for a really long time. And then all of a sudden, after creating this thing, figured out after meeting some girl at a bar and he rambled on about this thing that he invented and she was still down. So she came back to the apartment, they got everything all set up, they get into bed and she's like, Oh, yeah, like I, I still want it. Let's make this happen. And they get to to changing things and then they both seem to think that they're both having a stroke midway through because the lights are off and then on and then off and then off and then on and off and then on. Are you implying that when they start clapping ass cheeks that the lights are... <laughs> <laughs> the lights are... <laughs> That's hella funny and probably 100% has happened <laughs> to people who have, who have gotten the clapper. So he, he at some point in time during his career changed his stance after creating this invention uh, and started calling it the crapper in public because of how poorly it worked 
And I'm wondering if this is what happened. If he went through that whole process, had sex with a woman and realized that he'd done fucked up and then was just like that next day went into an interview and was like, oh, it's the crapper. It's the worst thing I've ever invented. Did you, uh, wh- and then you're having this whole train of thought and then you look down and you go, oh, there's my penis. Because <laughs> this whole line of thought has just got you rock hard. It's like, oh yeah, <laughs> clapping cheeks, baby. <laughs> clapping cheeks. I feel like shower thoughts are typically short and sweet. I was like more of a shower essay. Shower, shower dissertation. <laughs> no, the, the, the shower thought was just, I wonder if you, if you, uh, if when you're clapping cheeks, if the clapper would go off and on. And then from there, I did a little bit of additional research. <laughs> did you? Yeah. <laughs> the, the story about him calling it the crapper is true. Wow. There you go. Nice. Thanks for bringing that to the table. <laughs> well, that being said, we'll go ahead and get started with that news. This just in. So the first bit of news that I have is not anything particularly newsy, but a, a interesting little comment. James Wan said that Aquaman 2 is heavily inspired by the horror movie Planet of the Vampires, which I thought was really interesting because Planet of the Vampires is also heavily what inspired Alien. So I'm wondering uh, which part of Planet of the Vampires, because most of the, the like Alien world design and stuff is pretty much straight, like the pod people and everything is straight from Planet of the Vampires. And so I'm curious if this Aquaman, it sounds like, is going to maybe lean more into some weird, creepy undersea stuff, which is, I mean, it's the same thing like what happened with Doctor Strange, where they bring a horror director in and you go, oh, fucking sweet. Scott Derrickson's going to make this movie trippy as hell. And there's one trippy scene and the rest is just like a regular Marvel movie. And that's how I felt about Aquaman. You have like two scenes that had really, really cool camera work that felt like James Wan haunted house spook em up stuff. And then the rest was just like a standard, like stupid, stupid DC movie. My my vote <laughs> as to the thing as to the thing that he's he's going to take is somehow dick mouths, dick mouths. Yeah, a little yeah, dick mouths, <laughs> dick mouths and pussy faces. Uh, yeah. Then <laughs> to follow my up, face. since I've kind of been do, doing the whole uh, what's coming to Steelbook releases on here, since we're all kind of uh, Steelbook collectors, especially you, Tone. Um, American Psycho is getting a 4K Ultra HD Steelbook release, which if you want to take a look at this real quick, it's his face, like when he's peeling off the the stuff in his morning routine is like the slide that's, slide off cover part of it. That's, that's fucking tight, dude. That's yeah. clever. So uh, I am very excited about that. That's getting a release in October. So something else to be excited about around uh, spooky Halloween time. And then the thing that I thought was actually the most interesting news is that Shudder is going to be bringing us... Uh, another vhs movie vhs 94 which interestingly enough is the same year that fear street decided to go with right they were 94 i wonder why so i'm yeah i'm curious why 94 is getting so much love all of a sudden because obviously we're getting our 90s <clears throat> renaissance you know all the uh my coworker was just telling me this morning he came in with like this hell of fresh prince looking nike just do it shirt on and he was like oh yeah i just went to dick's sporting goods and all of nike stuff now is all like the 90s fresh prince like uh, super colorful stuff, and I was like, "Dude, '90s are making a comeback." And yep. it seems Even, like uh, Brandon Fraser's coming back. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Happy for that one for sure. Yeah. He'll, he'll be coming up again on our watch list later for something that I have. But Ooh. same thing. Uh, hey, uh, yeah. So it seems like '94 specifically is the year that's coming back. But I it's have the actually, Genesis. It's the it's the year when the progenitors came to the, came to Earth. Maybe it's because that's like where they they consider the 90s really started. You know, you have like those kind of like laggy years as you go into a decade. They're like, hey, 94 is when it was hella 90s. That's Everybody like, was on cocaine in the 80s, so the 90s probably started around 85. Yeah. It's, <laughs> like, Let's go now! <laughs> that's hella funny. But yeah, that's all I have for... <laughs> 
Uh, News Bloody Disgusting is also, I guess I didn't know this, they have produced all of the VHS movies so far, so they are going to be producing this one as well. Oh, interesting. And um, I've only seen segments of a couple of the VHS movies, so I'd be interested to, I know they're not great, but I know people have a soft spot for them, so I'd be interested to go back and rewatch all of them leading up to this new one coming out, also in October time, so. One's cool. Two, I think, is the best one, and then three kind of sucks viral. Yeah. I was not a fan at all. So hopefully four is an upswing for him. The internet's scary enough. You yep. don't need to uh, bring horror movie stuff into it. You know, yeah. it's it's already a fucking disaster. Mm-hmm. Plus their target audience, which is like 18 to 25 or whatever, probably isn't going to know what the fuck a VHS is. It's <laughs> <laughs> a hell of a good point. Well, um, there's movie cassettes. If they f- even know what cassettes are, I Make guess. me feel hella old. Right, and I'm the youngest one here. There you go. I think, I, I think we feel. <laughs> I was watching a Twitch stream, and they were opening their PO box, and they and there was a, a VHS copy of Pokemon the first movie, which I thought was a nice little tie-in to nice. a conversation we had recently. And they referred to it as they're like, "Oh, it's Pokemon the first movie on VCR." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "That's what you use to play the VHS oh, or VHS no. player." Coming to you on home video cassette. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's gonna wrap it up for news. We'll go ahead and get started with that trivia. I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubble. John, take me down to the trivia city where the grass is green and the trivia is pretty. Your trivia tune this week is Trivia, Trivia, Trivia. Oh, fuck. I totally know this. (laughs) Think of it as a very 80s synth. Goblin. It is not (laughs) Goblin, but it is the second time that you'll be kicking yourself because it's the shinning. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. Totally. John, that was a good one. And it's funny because last week Anthony requested something that we could possibly know. And that fits that category. We still fucked it up. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, we for sure know this. <laughs> and we still can't guess. All right. We're going to continue playing slash cards. I will read a category. After that, I will ask a question to John. And we'll go around in a circle reading to each other. And John will read to Anthony. And Anthony will read back to me. And the first category is... Category X. John, name two horror movies that take place in Australia. Australia? Shit, Australia specifically? No. Generally. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if I say something's from Australia, can I be saying it's from the continent of Australia or from the country of Australia? Where does it matter? What are, What's the difference? There's one. I think there's one Australia, right? Yeah. So they're both just named the same, the country and the continent the same thing. So yes, if you yeah, say it's so, from, if you say it's from right side up and, or upside down Australia, either no, one. So is what I'm saying is specifically that the continent of Australia also includes New Zealand. No, that's the zone, that's the eighth continent. It's called Zealandia. That's not how that works. <laughs> it's called Zootopia. <laughs> I'm serious. There's only seven continents. Okay, that are, well, when's the last time you were in school? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You look what happened. Idiot. Look what happened to Pluto since then. <laughs> Times change, John. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, sure. so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say what what we do in the shadows. Does that take place in New Zealand? I'm assuming, based on the fact that the majority of the cast is New Zealand. 
ish <laughs> whatever the whatever the fucking i feel like you have a very tenuous grasp on continents no <laughs> just specifically this one continent. new zealand is new zealand is a group of five comedians <laughs> Psychoa tv <laughs> brett and jamaica <laughs> the band manager yeah fucking uh, what's jumanji <laughs> oh, i was gonna fist you <laughs> That guy, that's the guy you're talking about, right? Yeah. yeah. Or am I just... No, no, you're right. You're stupid right. shit out into the ether. Uh, sorry. I'm doing some double checking. I'm going to say yes. Yes? Okay. So you said two, correct? Mm-hmm. Is Wolf Creek from Australia? It's on the card, so yeah. Hey. All right. I'll take that point. Anthony, name four found footage horror films. Wreck. On the card. Quarantine. <laughs> yeah. The Blair Witch Project. On the card. And Unfriended. Also not on the card, but correct. Uh, the other two on the card were Cloverfield and Paranormal Activity. Oh, yeah. Paranormal Activity. Tone, name two horror movies that take place in London. American Werewolf in London. Ooh, sorry. That's incorrect. No, that's on the card. And part of Interview with the Vampire. Sure. I'll count it. The other answer was 28 days I say you could have gone with 28 days or 28 weeks would have worked. 28 days later. All right, after round one, we are all on the board, and we're moving into, <laughs> yeah, yeah. depending on what uh, year <laughs> you look at the geography. Anyway, we're moving into behind the scenes. This is funny. Danny Boyle John, the Academy Award winning director of Slumdog Millionaire, it's also my favorite directed- director, Danny Boyle John. <laughs> <laughs> he also directed what film about a zombie infection outbreak in- London. <laughs> Should have just read my card. Yeah. yeah. That'd be 28 days later. <laughs> yes, that is correct, sir. Nice job. Softball. I was just about to say that. Anthony, who directed Kronos from 1994? Guillermo del Toro. That is correct. Nice. That's a weird little vampire movie. Tone, Alfred Hitchcock, the cock, missed out on the film rights to the novel Les Diaboliques, but its author wrote another novel, D'entre les morts, specifically with Hitchcock in mind, what film did Hitchcock make from it? I don't know. 39 Steps. It was Vertigo from 1958. I was going to guess Vertigo. No, you weren't, you fucking liar. I totally was. Bummer. All right, at the end of that round, these motherfuckers are tied, and I'm sitting at one. We're moving into general trivia. General trivia. Reporting for the last time. This season. This season. Are we not doing, tri- we're not doing trivia next week? I don't know. We can. I just figured since we were to- we were totaling up, I guess we just add whoever wins next week. Yeah. Reporting for the penultimate time. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your questions, John. Horror can show up in unexpected places, like in the Pleasure Island sequence from this 1942 Disney cartoon. Is that going to be Pinocchio? That is correct, sir. Nice. And you were dreading that question. Yeah, I was. But you did it. Nice job, buddy. Thanks, pal. Garbage day. (laughs) Garbage day. Anthony, in Beetlejuice from 1988, how does one summon the titular bio-exorcist? You want me to do it? You dare me? You want me to do it? Sure. Beetlejuice. 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 Say his name three times. Yep, indeed. His name is repeated three times. Nice fucking model. (laughs) (laughs) 
so much enthusiasm. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the it's all over again from two weeks ago. The the yeah, yeah, you right? Yeah, yeah, Good job, bud. Tone. Horror can show up in unexpected places, like the scene where the headless witch chases Dorothy in this 1985 family film. Return to Oz. It is Return to Oz from nice. 1985. That movie should just be considered a horror movie out and out. I heard it's pretty gnarly. I've never seen it. Have you guys seen it? No, because when it. I was a kid, I thought it looked weird as fuck. So I, just, I never checked it out. It is indeed weird as fuck. But those books are also a lot weirder than the movie like ever really captured. So I would be interested to check it out. Cool. At the end of that round, John and Anthony are sitting at three, and I am at two. And we're moving into characters and actors. John, what actor played Hooper... The oceanographer in Jaws from 1975. His name is right there. I'm just going to bow out on this one. I don't want to sit here and think for the next three hours. It is Richard Dreyfus. Yeah, that's right. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Tough break, man. Saul Good. Anthony, what actress played the vampire warrior Celine in Underworld from 2003? Kate Beckinsale. That is correct, sir. So I had been under the impression that the Underworld movies were at one point supposed to cross over with Resident Evil. Very similar to like competitive franchises. Then I read the other day that apparently it was supposed to at one point cross over with the Blade franchise. Which that makes, makes a lot, lot more sense. sense. Yeah, yeah, that checks out. Anywho, Tone. Which one of the following actors did not appear in Gus Van Sant's Psycho from 1998? Julianne Moore, Viggo Mortensen, Luke Wilson or William H. Macy? That's a fucking difficult question. Yeah, that is. Jesus. Julianne Moore. The answer is Luke Wilson. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's the wrong Wilson. <laughs> Wilson! That puts you in the lead, yeah. Anthony. And we're moving in to plot and setting. I don't have a chance, so it's up to you, sir. Mm-hmm. For you to get this one and him to miss it. But the your plot and setting question, John, is a space crew returning to Earth responds to a distress beacon, but find only death in the form of a perfect organism that wants to use them as incubators in this 1979 film. I feel like part of that is incorrect, but I'm going to say alien. That is correct, sir. Yes. What part? I don't think they were returning to Earth. I think they were on their way back from there. Yeah, they're on like a long ass journey from. I think they were they headed were to a, a place to try to call. I don't know. Maybe I'm mixing up the plots now that we've watched all of them. Either way, you yeah. got it. That's the answer on the card. So good job. All right, Anthony. In what U.S. state got does it. the hills have eyes from 1977 take place? I'm just gonna take a guess and say Nevada. It is indeed Nevada for the card sweep. Woo! Nice job. Nice job. Wow, nice do job. Yep. <laughs> nice do. Nice do. Nice <laughs> wow, I was uh, sweating on that one. But um, Tone, in what 1987 slasher film does the killer wear an owl's head mask? I don't know. Stage Fright, colon, Aquarius from 1987. Uh, okay, I've heard of that. Congratulations, Anthony, on your sweep. Thank you, the cleaning lady. She sweeps. Hope you enjoyed news and trivia. And if you did and you want new episodes all the time, then hit that subscribe button because we release them every Monday at least for this weekend, next week, and then we're going to take a little break. And then we'll be right back for the plethora of films that we're going to be watching in October. 
But if you're like, hey, what do I do with the meantime? And you want additional content, you can head over to Patreon, and John's going to tell you all about it. Over at patreon.com forward slash Peak, you can get monthly bonus episodes, uh, which some of that formatting might change in the future, question mark. Future! Um, but you also get our Slash to Peace Theater commentary tracks that we release every month as well. This month, we already announced last week, but this month we're going to be talking about The Suicide Squad in our bonus episode, and then we'll be pairing that with a little watch-through of Suicide Squad. El Suicide Squad. On top of that, you can also get early <laughs> access to our episodes uh, at the $15 tier, and then above that are our Porcelain Producer tiers, where you can get the ability to help us come up with cool ideas for the show, get dope merch, and just be all over very helpful in finding a way to support your favorite podcasters do they thing. On top of that, as of right now, you still have time. You still have two weeks to put in your Patreon or your reviews in order to help us make a big donation to the ADAA, which is what we're doing for this month. We're giving all of our Patreon proceeds to that particular charity because we felt like we needed to give back since we've been so plentiful with success this year. And that's the ADAA, not to be confused with the ABBA, the Dancing Queen. <laughs> <laughs> this is the uh, Anxiety and Depression Association of America where we will be given this casho change On top of that, during our break, you can also find us over on twitch.tv slash porcelainpeak or on our YouTube channel uh, for some some spooky Resident Evil content because uh, those are things that we'll continue to do during our break as well so that way we don't go crazy not seeing each other. Something else I also wanted to mention about an incentive for signing up for Patreon is you may have noticed on our newer episodes we have had some ad breaks in the middle of these episodes. If you sign up for Patreon, you can listen to these episodes without those long ass super fun ad breaks that we do <laughs> so if you want the ad of incentive of getting right to the fucking content go to patreon.com slash porcelain peak speaking of ad breaks this week's episode is sponsored by better help and we have a special offer for you all porcelain peak listeners get 10 percent off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash porcelain peak is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals I was in that same boat, which is why I personally signed up for BetterHelp a couple months ago. I had some pretty whack experiences with traditional therapy in the past, from the sign-up process to connecting with therapists, but BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's not a crisis helpline. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. You can start communicating with a therapist within 48 hours. For our international fans, we got good news. BetterHelp is available worldwide with a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's over 15,000 counselor network, which may not be locally available in all areas. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor and expect a timely and thoughtful response in addition to weekly video or phone sessions. No more uncomfortable waiting rooms like traditional therapy. They have individual counseling, couples counseling, teen counseling, and counselors that specialize in LGBT issues. You can choose a counselor with a spiritual background or not, male, female, and various ethnicities if that's what you choose to do. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. I'll actually be seeing my counselor this week, and I gotta say, she's been amazing. She helped me with communication, 
work-life balance, my clammy, palm-inducing anxiety, and getting restful sleep. Yeah, I can feel his palms right now, and they are not clammy. (laughs) It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available because BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash Porcelain Peak. That's Better H-E-L-P. And join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Again, there's a special offer for Porcelain Peak listeners. Get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com forward slash Porcelain Peak. That's P-O-R-C-E-L-A-I-N-P-E-A-K to start living a happier life today. Check out the show notes for direct link. And thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Hey, Tone, what's that you're drinking? Oh, this is a nice tall mug full of mud water. What in the Sam Hain? (laughs) Sam Hain (laughs) is mud water. Mud water is an all-natural coffee alternative that has immune benefits and helps with sustained focus without the jitters and crash of coffee. What's in it? What's it taste like? What's the deal? It's made from chai, cacao, reishi, cinnamon, and more, and tastes like a chocolatey chai. How often do you drink it? I personally use it every day, and as you creeps know, I'm pretty sensitive to caffeine. I once saw you look at an energy drink, and you stayed up all night. (laughs) That's a true story. But I can have mud water in the morning, in the afternoon, and in the early evening without feeling anxious, weird, or having trouble sleeping. Whether you're running around Crystal Lake, pulling a blanket over your eyes, or stressing on which episode of Porson Peak to listen to next, Mudwater has your back when the going gets tough. As Tone mentioned, Mudwater contains Rishi, which has been used in Chinese medicine for over 2,000 years and nicknamed the Mushroom of Immortality. As a key ingredient in Mudwater, Rishi will give you added support for your capacity to handle stress while supporting a healthy immune response. Check out our affiliate link in the show notes to get mud water, creamer, sweetener, even a frother if you're feeling froggy, or go for the starter kit like I did, which includes a killer recipe booklet. That's M-U-D-W-T-R dot com, or use the link in our show notes to help out your favorite podcasters. For our main discussion this week, we're going to be going over the nominations for the first annual Porcelain Peak Todd Browning Awards. But before we get started with that, Anthony's got a little special surprise game for us, so let's have it, sir. Yeah, so I was trying to think of a way to do a little bit of a retrospective across some of our episodes of season three, and rather than go through all of the fucking work of going through all the episodes and picking out funny clips, I decided instead what I would do is pick out out-of-context quotes from various episodes throughout the season, read them to you and see if you guys can guess what episode they were from. And you don't have to be specific like the actual number episode, but if you can tell me what we were, the fuck we were talking about on the episode, then... <laughs> Are uh, they all from the main discussions or it could be from any part of the episode? So they're all from the main discussion okay. topics um, and they some of them will be a little bit easier than others, but we'll go ahead and start with this first one. Are you going to tell us who said them? Yeah, okay. so... Okay. Uh, In this one, it starts with you, Tone, and you say, what are your thoughts, John? Tell us why you liked it, what you didn't like, rapid fire, go. And then John says, I do not like rapid fire treatment. And then you say, all right, Anthony, your thoughts. And then John says, fuck you. And then you say, bet you'd like that. (laughs) Uh, Wow. Uh, All of them. I'm going to say that sounds like it's something from A24 April. Ooh, super close. Was a, a little indie film uh it was from season three episode three our uh, autopsy of jane doe Ooh. discussion 
forgot fucking, we did that. I fucking loved that movie. Yeah, that was a good movie. Yeah. Um, what are your one? thoughts on it, real quick, if you remember? Rapid fire, go. <laughs> <laughs> no, Anthony, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, this one may be a little bit easier for you guys to guess. Uh, this one starts with me saying, I wanted to understand the recipe for getting into Stephen King's head. And John says, cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, what King movies did we watch? Yeah. Because we didn't talk about it for sure. Uh, was it for... Um, Salem's Lot? No, because we talked about Carrie. It was indeed from the episode where we talked about Carrie, season three, episode five, Horror Redemptions four, from our Carrie discussion. Mm, forgot we did that too. Wow. Yeah. It's many moons ago. Many, many moons. This one is uh, starts with me. I say, I saw on the table they had some Valentinas. And then uh, oh, John fuck, says, I just heard this. John says, I saw that shit immediately, making me want some pizza, baby. <laughs> and then, uh, Tone, you say, that's a Perez household staple. Fuck. It was, it's at the beginning of the episode, too, because I was scoping through. Just today. Fuck. <laughs> it was in the background of something. What did we watch that was in the background? Oh, fuck. Where would they would have had Val? Was it Justice League? Nope. No, it's A Scanner Darkly. Yep, it is from season three, episode ah, six, Uncut right. Gems, A Scanner you could, Darkly. You can tell how much of these I edited. Because <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like, I distinctly remember going like, cutting shit out. <laughs> the next one is uh, John saying, the set dressing's gorgeous. It's most, <laughs> It's mostly set in these big, beautiful houses. And I say, the ranch dressing's great, too. <laughs> What episode is that from? <laughs> See, I heard today the follow-up where you said something else. I'm like, that's the second time we've mentioned dressing. <laughs> so this must have been the first one. So, John, can you remember what you were saying? That the uh, the set dressing was gorgeous, takes place mostly in a, uh, a big, beautiful house. Uh, Bly. The Bly episode. The haunting of episode <laughs> it is not the haunting of episode is it from the vampire week episode because of fucking interview it is from season three episode 11 hitchcock holidays you were talking oh. about uh the lady vanishes that's was right your movie. that's right that's right all right we got a couple more here uh this is me ranting i say when it cut to an 80s mall again i was like are you fucking kidding me we're getting an 80s mall again and then john says we're getting a mall again <laughs> and then nobody laughs. <laughs> like how you added that. Oh fuck! Uh, Rim of the world. Ooh, good guess, but it is not. No, it was after Rim of the world. Um, that's know. the sequel after Rim of the world. Yeah, after Rim. I, please, no sequels to that movie. Um, what else had a mall? I don't remember. It is from season three, episode fourteen, where we covered Wonder Woman eighty four. Oh, oh that right, out. right, that checks out. Right. All righty, this one is going to be uh, tough, I think. Uh, John says we're all a little nervous stepping into this territory. This is where friends become not friends, and then Tone says frenemies. This is where the friend title drops, and we become just co-hosts. And then John says, "How you doing, co-host? I don't care how you feel, co-host." <laughs> Which episode is this from? The Fifth Element one. It was not something where we knew we were going to have uh, vastly different opinions. Yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but there was a there was another one that was like another one. <laughs> uh, this was a tougher one. This is from season three, episode seventeen, Star Wars episodes seven through nine. Oh, because we had, I believe, very different opinions on the Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
this one might be a little bit easier if you uh, think about what we're describing. So uh, John says, he looks like Bill Nye from Hot Fuzz. And I say, the science guy? And I said, <laughs> I said, I thought he looked like the cinnamon guy from the Apple Jacks commercials. Here I come, I am cinnamon. What were we describing in this episode that looked like either Bill Nye or the cin- the Apple Jacks cinnamon guy? Um, was it from oh, what's that Clive Barker movie? Nightbreed. Nightbreed. Yeah, from Nightbreed. It is not. It is from our season three episode nineteen Goosebumps Roulette. We were talking about the shrunken oh, head from How I Got My Shrunken Head. Uh, okay, 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 okay. I remember. It did look like Bill Nye. Yeah. All right. The last two should be a little bit easier. Uh, this one is Tone saying, this was directed by Jonathan Glazer based on a book of the same name. And I said, the book was called Jonathan Glazer. And he says, yeah, that's why he wanted to adapt it so badly. <laughs> <laughs> you got the degree in books. You should know this one. Yeah. That's not the actual title of the book, though. <laughs> I don't know. It was from our season three, episode 27, A24 April, Under the Skin. Uh, right. Jonathan right. Glazer. The last one is going to be a softball for you. Stands for unidentified fungible tokens, <laughs> unidentified fungible organs. Stay through the UFO episode. Uh, ep- season three, episode 38, UFOs in space camp. So I hope that was a fun little walk down memory lane to some of our funny moments. If you guys are interested in going back to any of those episodes, I just fucking listed them all for you. So yeah, that's our version of a clip show, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought it would be pretty fun, yeah. and uh, you guys were terrible at that game. <laughs> I Do you think I, that I you would have been any better? No, I forget what I say. <laughs> I forget what I say before we're even done with the episode. I'm like, what did we just do? Trivia? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll go ahead and get started with our Todd Browning nominations. What we're going to do is name a category, tell you the three nominations, and then kind of a little bit about why we chose those. Some of these, we ended up picking the same ones, so instead of just having two, we just threw in a third one. Um, but we'll tell you about that when we get to them. So I have the list pulled up here directly from our questionnaire on SurveyMonkey. We've posted that on Instagram, on Patreon. So if you are... If you go to tinyurl.com slash Todd Browning, Todd with one D, you can find the survey at that link. Yep, super easy. Uh, it's nine questions total. There will be some additional categories, but those are more... like Wild card, bitches. Yeah, not like voted, but more like hard facts type shit. Right, so if you're listening to this on the 23rd when it comes out, or before that if you're a Patreon, or if you're a patron, um, then you have until the 25th to vote, essentially. Yeah. So fucking vote. Yeah, vote for him. So I'm sending it to everybody I know. I was like, listen, mom. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't know any of these words. <laughs> taught my, taught, had my grandma teach her entire sorority how to use their cell phones so that they could vote. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. I, I love under the skin. <laughs> so for our first category, it's the best horror film of season three, which as we described on the end of last episode, basically we chose things that weren't necessarily new, new things that came out over the course of the last year, just because that would kind of narrow it down to too, too few things. Cause we don't typically cover like the, the new hotness, at least, not right now. Plus, well, you got a lot of new hot. You got to think with COVID and everything. Like, it's been a really fucked up year for us to be like, yeah, let's only talk about new movies that came out. It's like, uh, no, we're gonna have to talk about stuff that was new for our show basically throughout season three. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's basically what this list entails. We did leave out most of Terror Tales just because if we included one, we had to include them all, and 
there's some fucking heavy hitters that would have just won every category if we wanted them to. Same with the Star Wars retrospective. Exactly. So for the three that we chose, we chose A Quiet Place Part 2, St. Maud, and Hush. So I I believe you chose St. Maud, Anthony. I did. And then you chose A Quiet Place Part 2, Tone. And then I chose Hush. Um, I mean, some of these are going to be pretty self-explanatory. Personally, for me, I thought that Hush was dope. It was part of my horror redemptions list, and I was super fucking kicking myself after watching it, being like, why the fuck did I wait so long on a fucking Flanagan movie, of all things? Yeah. And a good-ass Flanagan yeah. movie, too. Uh, yeah. Excellent. And a not-ghost-related Flanagan movie. Yeah, very true. Outside of his comfort zone, for sure. Right, yeah. yeah. I picked St. Maud because it was the one this year that I felt... Um, I mean, it's fucking, it's A24, bro. Do I need to even explain myself to you? Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. It was, it was a good movie. Um, and some of the imagery in that movie has stuck in my head a lot more than mm-hmm. stuff from like A Quiet Place or Hush did. Like the quick, the quick cut. Yeah. The, so the, the ending, end. the ending obviously, and then stuff like her putting the fucking the tacks or the nails or whatever in her shoes and walking. And I just have good memories of that week covering that movie and uh so i thought it deserves to be up here in this category up in this bitch and it brings the weirdness too I fucking yeah and that's that. usually in the direction you guys know i lean toward the weirder stuff being my preference it's why i constantly am defending the greasy strangler as being a movie that's enjoyable <laughs> <laughs> that did not make the list <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah i picked a quiet place too just because i thought that it was uh highly anticipated for a lot of people and I thought that it delivered on its promise to be a companion to the first one and not just more rehashing. And it was intense. It was good. It was well acted, which we'll get to later on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I watched it a lot. Yeah. I saw it like two or three times and was very pleased with it every time. There were much bigger surprises over the year, but I definitely think that A Quiet Place 2 for me was a surprise because I had like the lowest expectations because I was, you know, we talked so much over the year prior about how the first movie didn't need a sequel. And right. I was just like, I just don't want a sequel. I don't want it to happen. And then seeing the movie and being so impressed with it, I was like, okay, definitely belongs in this category for best horror of the year, especially with how slim the pickings have been. But well, we also don't need a third one. Yeah. No, we, <laughs> but we're going to get one. <laughs> yeah. But I definitely do think that we thought the same thing about the second one. I and now I think that I thought I feel like I can't really think about the first one without that one existing now, just yeah. because it, you like you said, it ties so well together. It's like a it's like an like a three and a half hour long single movie. They well, just really that, tie together so well. I think they did a good job calling it part two, not just two, because yeah. it really is like the second part of that story. Yeah, it's not just another movie. And then a with, quiet with, a quiet place three, quiet warriors. <laughs> <laughs> So our next category is best sci-fi film of season three. Um, and I believe that you chose Psycho Goreman. Anthony did, yeah. And then, PG Psycho Goreman. And then you chose Under the Skin. I did. And then I chose Attack the Block, another one of my sci-fi misses, because holy fuck, is that movie just not perfectly crafted for me? Yeah, I was gonna say definitely right in your wheelhouse, because it's 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 basically just like Edgar Wright's rub off. Yeah. <laughs> and so like even even getting that close to Edgar Wright, you're like, oh, fuck, give it to me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 100 <laughs> percent <Attack> my block. <laughs> <laughs> By block he means penis. <laughs> yeah. yeah, um, I chose Psycho Gorman. I don't think again this needs much explanation because I think it's probably the movie that 
it may show up the most in the in these awards categories. There's a there's a lot of there's Psycho a lot Gorman of Psycho, Gorman, Psycho Gorman, but yeah, I am a big fan of Stephen uh, Kostansky, who directed this movie and did The Void and did Manborg. So I this really really was right in my wheelhouse of being cheesy Power Rangers esque, and then having the over the top gory horror and the comedy elements that really just uh, landed every time for me. So uh, it's definitely going to be a, a, re- a yearly rewatch. So I think it deserves to be on this list for sure. Honky yeah, that, boys. That yeah. was one of those movies Very too that was too. <laughs> um, pretty anticipated for us. Maybe not the mainstream, but I think in the horror community, people were like, yeah, fuck yeah, let's see that. And when it came out, everyone was like, how was it? How was it? So yeah, I think that's a very good contender. Mm-hmm. See how it stacks up. And then you had uh, Under, Under the, the Skin. So obviously not a new, new movie, but it was new for us when we did our A24 April. And this movie is so fucking bizarre. Based on the novel Jonathan Glazer. <laughs> <laughs> By Under the Tuscan Skin. <laughs> oh Yeah, I thought that Scarlet was fantastic. And it's, like you said, it's really weird. It doesn't hold your hand in any way like we talked about. And I thought it was maybe not a good time. But an interesting time. Yeah, Good Time's a different movie. Imagery is just fucking whew, so good, too. Yeah, that is definitely just like one of my, of the past decade, favorite sci-fi movies. Yeah. So I think basically all the movies that are on this category also, I would I would vote for them. But I had to cast my vote for one. Mm-hmm. Same, same, same. When you voted, did you just vote for your own shit? Yeah, I mean, like, why, why would, you, why would I not? I maybe, wanted to win. Maybe something else came up that surprised you, and you're like, well, that is kind of better. I do think that I voted for something, some things that weren't my choices. Yeah, I think that I voted. I just went with my gut on on everything, and I voted from the heart. Mm-hmm. So our next category is best television show slash miniseries of season three. Uh, the options here are the haunting of Bly Manor, which I believe mm. we unanimously all chose. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, what we put in there to fill the gaps was uh, The Mandalorian Season 2 and mm. Loki. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> all, all great choices, really. Yeah. Um, man, yeah. That's, that's a fucking powerhouse list right there. Yeah, and we had a... I think that I lean toward i don't even remember which of these that i submitted but the blind manor one just always makes me think of our awesome double haunting episode with randy and i was listening to some clips from that today and um if you guys are ever on our twitch stream you've seen randy um in our all of our twitch streams so far right i not the last one yeah all except for one yeah so um i have fond memories of that one and of that experience watching that show but yeah across the board all great choices also hard to remember that we recorded that episode twice because my audio was completely fucked oh my god yes that uh, that and the friday the 13th shit will always uh, be just like that's hell (laughs) that was the that was the day like literally after we finished that we literally bought me a new microphone and we're like all right we need to we we need to upgrade this situation real bad there's there's been some porcelain peaks and some porcelain valleys (laughs) this season that's for sure (laughs) but mandalorian was pretty cool we talked about it when we did our star wars set obviously we let this one slide because it is brand new and i think visually that show fucking wrecks, dude. Which and, I mean, which will pop up later in another category for yeah, sure. Yeah, I thought the second season was even better than the first. Um, and for Loki, I mean, that was again a surprise where I had no expectations for Loki because I was just like, it's getting revived again for another thing. And for the most part, I mean, you can go back and listen to our episode. It impressed the hell out of me. So. And, and it just like again with a lot of the things we have in the list, it just brought the fucking weirdness and wasn't shy about it. And I'm. All in on that. Yeah. 
So the next one is probably my favorite category of the entire list here, which is the best kill of the season, which we went, I believe all three of these are new, new things that came out over the course of the last season. Uh, the bread slicer kill from Fear Street 94, which is fucking tight. Uh, <laughs> it's fucking uh, tight. The face melter from PG Psycho Goreman, awesome which is also so hella good. And then, so hella good. And then uh, my personal selection, which was the Christmas dinner kill from Hosts. Woo, woo, woo. See, I think that that's cheating though, because that's you get like multiple. Don't you get like multiple kills in that one in that in that dinner scene? I not I, to spoil no. it for anybody, but it's just the one. Okay, it's no. just that's not cheating. That's that's just fucking. It's nice. just the one. Man, I'm just bang for your fucking buck, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so for mine. It's a fucking gut punch. I'm not going to spoil anything about it because I do still think that even though we had, you know, you had a lovely conversation with the with the team behind the behind the scenes of that film. You Adam Leader and Richard Oakes. Yep. And then we've also spoken with an actor from that film who who we, at least for a little while, were having a good correspondence back and forth with. Mm. Neil Neely. No, <laughs> that's that's his name on Instagram. Yeah. I um, <laughs> Neil something or other. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, that was a really cool experience because we did get to see that before it was released. And like you said, John had those conversations. And that scene's so fucking tight. I even showed people just that scene. I was like, you don't need to watch. I mean, you should watch the whole movie, but let me just show you this real quick. Yeah. And it's brutal. Um, as far as the other ones go, the bread slicer was fucking dope because it's, it's probably the best kill of the entire nowhere. series. Yeah. Well, and there's even been, I don't know if it was like MIT or something, but I was seeing, I saw there was an article the other day about how there have been like scientific articles to see if you could actually kill somebody in that way with a bread slicer. I didn't read to see what, I didn't want to, you know, break the illusion. Right. You know, but there's a lot of really good kills in those Fear Street movies too, but that bread slicer one I think stuck out to literally everybody who watched all three of those movies mm -hmm. as being like the pinnacle. And then for me, I could really go with any of the kills in Psycho Gore Man. It's just the one where he puts the dude's fucking face in front of that portal and then he's like, look into the, the depths of true darkness. And then he gets his face like ripped off, melted off. Makes me crack a rib it's fun time. brutal yeah which you can't say mm -hmm. about the other two <laughs> yeah and just another instance of uh, pg popping up on this list yep. yeah we'll all good a, yep all we'll good. get a little more of that here in a bit as well so the next thing we have on the list is going to be the best performance by an actor of the season uh the options for this one which i believe uh you both chose owen wilson from loki wow <laughs> I don't think we got a single wow the entire season. We didn't. I I checked. <laughs> I think at one point he says like now. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, so close. <sighs> and then the other selections here are Noah Jupe from a Quiet Place Part Two. Uh, both of the kids in that movie are excellent, but we'll get into that a little bit later as well. And then uh, Rahul Kohli from The Haunting of Bly Manor, who was. Owen, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, was that, that a, was your choice. Yes, he okay. was the the cook. I I fucking super gravitated towards that character. Pretty much the heart of the show. Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, I and some of the a, some of the saddest moments too. I thought that was a really nice, like out of left field choice for this category. Um, and I appreciated it a lot because he, like I said, he was the heart of the that show, and probably my favorite part of the show mm -hmm. was that storyline with him and and everything surrounding that. And then I feel like I could say that exact same thing about. Owen's character from Loki, like he was the heart of that show, and my favorite part. There's just something about Owen's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah I, uh, Owen Wilson again, just like the entirety of Loki, was a surprise to me. 
um and in terms of and plus like owen wilson i would just always expect a certain kind of owen wilson from all of his comedy stuff and i always forget that he actually is a good actor Mm -hmm. and then uh noah jube i like in basically everything he's been in uh ford versus ferrari is another good example he's christian bale's son in that movie and he's really great he's been great in both quiet place movies but especially this one yeah i thought that he really stepped up to the plate with his character in this one both him and the uh, the actress millicent simmons who we're going to be talking about in the next category i believe yeah so the next one on the list here as i mentioned before was the best performance of the season by an actress and we have uh, Victoria Pedretti from Haunting a Blind Manor. Mm. Oh, so good. Good in everything she's yeah. in. Uh, Millicent Simmons from the previously mentioned A Quiet Place Part 2. Mm. And Morphid Clark from St. Maud. Also great. Yeah, this is a, this was probably one of the tougher categories for me because I think that all three of them are fantastic. I actually don't remember who I voted for in this category because I think it would have been between... Pedretti, just because I thought she also stepped up to the plate in Bly. Uh, um, I thought she was fantastic in Hill House, but and she's been fantastic in things like You. Right. Um, she really carried Bly, though. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, she's in Hill House, but she's not the main focus. And she she came into a spot where I would be really excited to see her as, like, a, a consistent Flanagan player, but also I could see her career kind of taking off after Bly Manor and her being in bigger bigger things. I saw her, mm-hmm. I think I mentioned, she has a very brief cameo in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And oh, right, I was right, like, right. oh shit, hey, it's that chick. Hey. <laughs> yeah, she's great. Uh, Millicent, right? Yeah, Millicent Simmons. It's fantastic, man. In both in both movies, really, but... Well, she's she the main, really the main one. character yeah. of those movies, and she's the standout for sure. And then for, with Morford Clark, I had never seen her in anything, and so seeing her in this, I was like, okay, I definitely want to follow her career and see what else she's in. Yeah. Um, she's in a movie with Dev Patel called the some it's the david copperfield one that's david copperfield shit <laughs> mm, I, I know um, the movie you're talking about yeah, yeah where it's like a, a retelling of the david copperfield novel and oh, it's wow. supposed to be hella good it's got like 98 percent or something i, think like I almost went and saw it in theaters like right before wow everything went to shit yeah so maybe check that out but yeah I another would, tough category yeah um a lot of these are stacked all these are there stacked. was a lot of times yeah. when we were picking that i would pick something and then we came to the table and told each other what we had and i was like god damn that that's a better right? one yeah, yeah. <laughs> So the next one on the list here is going to be Best Special Effects, which we kind of all went in different directions with this one. Uh, so The Mandalorian, I believe, was both of your selections. Originally, it was Anthony's, and then when I heard it, I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, because I could not think of one. And I went with Forbidden Planet originally just because of, at the time, it was phenomenal. Which, yeah. really, I mean, if you're stacking two things up next to each other, I think those are a perfect matchup because you have a space thing that was done spectacularly with practical effects, and then you have a space thing that's done spectacularly with like the cutting edge special effects technology, which is that fucking bubble right. screen thing that they have. And mm-hmm. since Anthony reminded me, I ended up switching my vote because we, I think we both watched a like behind the scenes making of it. And yeah. that shit's so fucking cool. dude. You just, so. you can't be ILM yeah. when it comes to special effects, mm-hmm. but I do think that the other two on this list are pretty strong contenders. Yeah. My selection was PG psycho Goreman just because of what it was able to do with just goofy over the top B movie style effects. It is the best in class in that, in that category. It's is just that TV bleeding. <laughs> it's just fucking super gross yeah. in the best ways possible. Also really impressive because it's basically all done by the director. He does basically all of the special effects on that, which I didn't know that uh, Kostansky has also worked on things like the it movies. He's done mm-hmm. special effects work for like more, 
I, I don't want to say legitimate, but like more Main serious, established, mainstream, established, established yeah, horror yeah. stuff. But yeah, I, swinging again into the practical effects, I think that's an, an excellent choice. And then just to blow things out of the water, <laughs> uh, Godzilla versus Kong, which had great effects for being oh. just a giant monster slugfest. I get the joke now. Yeah. yeah. Good, a good example of CG. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're uh, looking at watching a movie that is completely fabricated in a computer, then, uh, I mean, Godzilla vs. Kong is kind of the pinnacle of that. And um, I had a good time watching shit happen on screen. Can't say I had a great time with understanding the plot or knowing what was going on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it blew my mind. I big monkey fighting big gravity. lizard. Yeah. <laughs> so the next category here was uh, one of my favorites that I came up with just kind of off the fly when I was making the categories, which is the most surprising of the season. Uh, the options for this one were WandaVision, which I believe was your selection. WandaVision. And then uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, which was your selection. And then for mine, it was PG Psycho Gorman, because I hadn't heard about it until you guys had already watched it. Oh, yeah. Late to the party as always, John. <laughs> yeah, so I went with WandaVision on this because we were all very excited to get some new Marvel stuff because we haven't had any, and it was kind of in a slump where we weren't getting shit for a while. It's crazy, too, to think of how long ago that was already that we've had now with what if of oh, these right. of these uh, Marvel shows come out and that was so long ago now but it feels like it just came out like we had such a great time with that show exactly yeah and we went in thinking it was going to be a lot more in line with what we get from typical Marvel fair and for the most part it's kind of stays away from that and it's really weird we were all very excited and there was points when we were watching it together separately you know mm -hmm. what i mean and like dude did you see that part did you see that part yet and so i think because of that we were all pretty surprised with how that turned out so that was my vote yeah that was definitely the most one of the most hype times of the past season um i went with Zack snyder's justice league just because i think everybody had their buttholes clenched waiting to see if this movie was going to be as terrible as the joss whedon version except for you who hadn't seen the joss whedon version right i had not so i was actually pretty excited about this too this could have easily been a contender for me as well yeah and i think most people were on the side of wow it's actually shocking that one we got this movie in the first place which is what kind of ties into the whole most surprising is i was just shocked that this actually happened and was released and two that it was good yeah, yeah. so it was kind of a, a, a double whammy in terms of being surprising in that way and yeah. and surprising that it's a fucking behemoth of a movie yeah. yeah and still it holds your attention for a fucking four-hour runtime it all i it was almost my selection for uh for sci-fi for the best movie of the year yeah um, and then for me psycho gore man like i said we've talked about it a ton already but i just had a fucking great time with that movie and i had no expectations going in and it was just a fucking blast just candy on the screen you know perfectly crafted for us three chuckle fucks i fucking had a great time with that movie <laughs> who wants to kill themselves first <laughs> <laughs> the brutals <laughs> and then the last category uh which is probably the most contentious this is the one i'm the most excited to hear uh, but which is uh, worst of the year uh two of them are horror one of them is sci-fi uh, your selection was uh, The Conjuring. The Devil Had Some Donuts. That was me. Yeah, that was that was my selection. Yes. God, what else can we say besides what a fucking letdown that movie was? And I think that's why I got it. Like, sure, the movie's well-crafted, but it's such a fucking disappointment considering the first two are knockouts. Yeah. Anyway. Um, for me, it was uh, Spiral from the Book of Saw. Um, also, what a fucking letdown for something that was supposed to be, like, the, the new 
renaissance of the Saw movies. Like, this is really going to do something different. And it's like, no, you just made another shitty Saw movie that's shittier than some of the really shitty Saw movies. <laughs> the only yeah. thing he didn't do was get Toad Bell. Yeah. yeah. Basically it. Anyway. And then your selection, as you mentioned before, was Wonder Woman 1984. I, this was... I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. This movie should have been great because the first Wonder Woman is awesome. And it's still Patty Jenkins. It's still the same team involved. Has Chris Pine coming back, who was like one of the best parts of the first movie. And it just was a complete fucking mess. And Pedro Pascal, who we've talked about, you know, we talked about the Mandalorian, something that we all loved him in. I was so excited that he was in this movie and was like, yeah, he's really going to be, you know, launching off a big career from this. And then that movie just tanked hard and it also i think came out at, in a weird time yeah. with the hbo like same day releases and stuff and it was in the early phases of that whole thing now i think we're all just kind of used to it mm-hmm. um but I think that i would watch it again just to kind of see because i initially i was in the same boat where i was like this is not good there's parts of it that i really liked but there's a lot of that movie that just doesn't make a ton of sense yeah and i think that's just that for me the big theme between the three of these movies is y'all should have been better like there was no, <laughs> yeah. there was no excuse for all three of these movies to be as bad as they were with the stuff that they were following up, you know, like they were all sequels to franchises that had good movies and, and, and there were, there was good talent behind all of these movies and they still ended up being pretty boring. Uh, In the episodes that we talked about all three of these movies, we do have to reiterate that our opinions aren't everyone's opinions. They're the, uh, the conjuring and specifically wonder woman. There are, there are camps for those. There are people who really dug those movies. Um, so it, it is something where I don't, I don't know if there is anybody who's out there going, Oh yeah, spiral. But I do think that there are probably fans of that movie as well. So just because we don't like something doesn't mean that it's not cool that you like something. And if something loses, cause something will, will end up with that, that uh, particular award. Feel free doesn't, to- it doesn't mean that uh, that movie is, completely a piece of shit and that you're bad for liking it you know that sort of a thing uh, yeah i think i think if you're someone who likes spiral the conjuring the devil made me do it and wonder woman 84 all three <laughs> there there may be something you need to get checked out in your brain you may be a redneck <laughs> yeah um but also disclaimer this is our awards show so these like you said these are our opinions but um also we're just having fun with it yeah, uh, the, the whole point of this is just is not to be like this is the end all be all for any of this shit. Especially we're, since, we're not the academy. <laughs> yeah, and even the academy, I don't think is the end all be all for movie decisions. It's well, called everyone has their own opinion, and this is our show and our awards show. And uh, fuck off if you don't like it. <laughs> That's harsh, but all right. <laughs> so then there are two other categories. These ones are not going to be put to a vote. These ones are going to be like John mentioned earlier. They're going to be. Uh, points based so we're gonna do a todd browning uh like fan someone that's wrote, written into our questions that we asked and they're gonna tally up those and then we are going to award one of the three of us with the most trivia wins for the season so i'm tallying those up now and it is pretty close for a couple of us but yeah. we'll see because i know that at some point i take a dip and john takes a rise so. yeah yeah Anthony's and pretty consistent <laughs> yeah i think that this is the one that i'm the most interested of all of the awards to find out who comes up out on top and also i think most people are probably interested in these last two because trivia is everybody's favorite so um i think i know who's gonna win the todd browning award for fans mm-hmm. um and i think john will have to get a certain sound clip ready for that yeah but, i think so too uh, 
we'll find out on the next episode at yeah. the official awards. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's going to wrap it up for our main discussion. So if you have not voted, then please do that so that we can get your opinions on which one of those movies wins those Todd Browning awards. And if you're in the United States and you still have your little I voted sticker from when you voted in the presidential election, go ahead and throw that on and take a picture and send it to us. Nobody's going to do that. I just thought, <laughs> of, you know, if, if one person does it, then um, that'll be cool. Californians could because of the whole recall bullshit. Oh, yeah. Man. Do you get stickers for that? Like, I voted you do. for the recall. You, you do. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever you did. Yeah. Cool. So we'll go ahead and move into our final cut. All right, nerds, you ready for that watch list? Because we got a bunch, or I got a bunch. I don't know what the fuck you guys been doing. My first one, I'm going to go with The Werewolves Within. This was like a little indie movie that I ended up seeing at our local state theater on a whim. I started this, and I got like five minutes in and was like, I can't fucking stand the writing in this movie. <laughs> it's And I loved um, Scare Me, which is the same guy, the same oh, really? director. Yeah, um, I had a good time with it. It's more of a comedy yeah. than anything else. Um a little predictable, but, you know, what? what is it now? Everything's been fucking done, so it's going to be hard to surprise at least everybody. Yeah, there's not a single new thing to be said or done anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but, yeah, that was on my watch list. I thought it was cool. If you're into horror comedies, then I would recommend that. I'm into werewolves. There you go. Yeah, we don't get a lot of werewolves, so I was like, mm. fuck yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. I've been, uh, over the course of the last few months, been collecting a, a ton of vinyl. Too much vinyl, if you ask my wife <laughs> my wife my wife uh but she got one i got her the spice girls no she has she has a few now she's, she's been she's been digging it uh but that's how you make yourself feel better about your bad habit two yeah. for me yeah. one for you seven for me yeah. <laughs> uh, but the ones that i picked up recently are a couple of my favorite uh film soundtracks uh which are uh for guardians of the galaxy and black panther uh, nice. which Having those on vinyl is super Ooga, dope, shaka, and Ooga, 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 shaka. and they uh, they look super cool. Uh, the Black Panther one, it, they're like a red translucent, mm-hmm. and then um, the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy one is like the deluxe edition, and it's got like a like a splatter paint kind of motif to it. Uh, super digging, uh, being able to pop those on and spin them whenever I feel like it. Yeah, I mean, if there are any movies that you want the soundtracks of, they're James Gunn movies for sure. Mm-hmm. I am super excited to get my hands on the Suicide Squad, uh, the Suicide Squad soundtrack. <laughs> uh, my first one is going to be, I think, a shared one with Tone, which is the 1998 Bill Condon film, Gods and Monsters. I checked this out. Yesterday, I had completely forgotten it existed. This is the story of an elderly James Whale, who we've referenced in our Universal Monster Mayhem as being the director of Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, and The Invisible Man, which I always forget he also did Invisible Man. I do too, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this movie is uh, kind of a, I guess it was Showtime and BBC. It kind of plays like a TV movie, but it's Ian McKellen as James Whale, who gives a fucking fantastic performance. I mean... Uh, yeah. yeah, I always forget that he played Frodo in The Lord of the Rings. It's it's crazy. <laughs> and um, it, so he gives a fantastic performance. And then, since we were speaking earlier about his renaissance, his Brendan-sance, uh, Brendan Fraser is in it. And is at first I was like, I don't know how I feel about his performance. But as the movie goes on and he's given a little bit more to do, um, I thought he was fantastic as well. And this is kind of the story of 
uh, an aging James Whale as he's having some issues post having a stroke where he's kind of flashing back to uh, his childhood and the making of the Frankenstein movies. And so you get a lot of really, really cool kind of mixtures between the reality of what's going on and the production of Frankenstein. And if you're into universal movies and uh, I didn't know a lot about his life, especially what happens at the end of this, which I won't spoil if you don't know what happens to yeah. James Whale's life, but it's pretty hardcore and i did not expect it whatsoever so definitely check that out uh if you haven't seen it right yeah so you watched it yesterday and which prompted me to watch it yesterday as mm-hmm. well so i ended up checking that out and uh i was curious what effect it had on fraser because it was probably around this time that he ended up getting his sexual assault and this movie kind of deals with those ideas so yeah I wonder if that was hard for him or if it was before or after this. And, and you can kind of tell like, in his performance that it seems like something that he may have struggled with in real life. Feels yeah. strongly about. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah, cool movie. It, you know, like you said, it does have that kind of made for TV feel. So you got to kind of get used to that. But overall, I enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely a good one. One for me that you guys have seen that I finally sat down and watched was Possessor. Hell yeah, brother. Loved it. It's so fucking weird. That's another good example of a movie that just not hold your hand, throws you into the world, and you just kind of got to figure out what's going on while it's happening. Very similar, like, visual artsy-fartsy stuff like Under the Skin does, too, with, like, Mm -hmm. the wax-melting faces to, like, show their brains merging. It's Yeah. Yeah, very... And then obviously being... Uh, Brandon Cronenberg being of the Cronenberg family, you get a little bit of the like weird body. It's fucking stuff. weird. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Someone was like, "What horror movie should I watch?" And I was like, "Dude, watch Possessor because it kind of surprised me, and it wasn't as like gross as I was expecting, just because when you think body horror." Yeah. But uh, it's pretty gruesome. Some parts are pretty fucked up. So yeah, highly There's recommend a, that one. Has one of the most gnarly stabbing scenes that I've ever fucking seen. It kind of reminded me a little bit of if, if like Christopher Nolan had done a horror movie, um, like before his shit got like as crazy. But it has kind of that like tenet esque like there's an organization and you don't know a lot about them and you're kind of figuring it out as you go along and it doesn't hold your hand and it reminded me a little bit of like a more fucked up Christopher Nolan. That's a good point, yeah. I can see that. It hits us perfectly right in our cross-section, too, as far as... Right in the crotch section. Uh, (laughs) As far as, like, horror and sci-fi, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget to cup the balls! (laughs) What's next for you, Jig? Uh, So, this one is one that I believe all three of us have seen to this point. Um, It's a little loose as far as it being something we could include on the show, but I couldn't go the entirety of, of season three without mentioning The Green Knight. There's some I, horror I elements, it, and it border it borders on horror and science fiction. It's mostly its, fantasy. In its yeah. fantasy, yeah. but it will let it slide because it's the end of the season. We're doing whatever the hell we want, John. Yeah, it's the it's the level of anxiety that that the that the movie creates for me that 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 made constant it. anxiety of I don't know what the fuck is happening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it, I mean it, and it's another thing that just says, hey, if you don't know the story, there's some parts that are gonna have you fucking lost, my dude. Yeah, mm-hmm. like and, the whole maybe like first two hours (laughs) (laughs) but after doing a little bit of research after the fact it you realize how much it tells the story with its imagery and it it's so perfectly crafted on a very shoestring budget and i would highly suggest to check it out uh so my next watch list entry is a brand spanking new movie from 2021 called the boy behind the door have you guys seen anything about this you seen this heard this heard the name I don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. I Same. am never drawn to movies that have very generic titles like 
the the girl with uh, I I do like the girl with all the gifts with hella presents chick with hella presents but uh, yeah this movie I was like I don't know what to expect from this but I had heard lots of rave reviews it's gotten really 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 good buzz um, so checked it out and it is a movie about two young boys who are kidnapped you have the whole movie is from the perspective of the boys who have been kidnapped and yeah the movie just starts with them getting thrown in a trunk kidnapped and then one of them gets out of the trunk and the whole movie is basically him like don't breathe style sneaking around the house trying to figure out what the hell they've been kidnapped for it gets very gnarly the anxiety is at a 10 pretty much for the entire movie um and there was some stuff where i was like it's for me a lot of the time the horror that really sticks with me is the stuff that feels ultra realistic and the whole movie you're just like this has happened to people Mm -hmm. and and people get kidnapped and disappear all the time and uh these child actors these kids had to have been 12 13 at the oldest and they're fucking phenomenal there were scenes that had me like almost in tears watching it so i would highly highly recommend it if you have a chance to check it out i believe it's on shutter currently yeah i'm gonna add that to my list yeah very good movie my last one for this watch list, I'm going to go with a book by Neil Gaiman. It's called The Ocean at the End of the Lane. This is a little guy. So if you're interested, I would highly I think recommend Neil it. Neil Gaiman's pretty average size. <laughs> <laughs> He's a little guy. He's a little Neil Gaiman. <laughs> anyway, this is about a man that goes to his hometown and then has memories of his childhood that he has long forgotten. And I don't want to give too much away, but it gets pretty fucking weird. There's definitely some horror elements. I fell in love with it. I was talking to Anthony about it outside the show, and I was like, dude, we should make this. (laughs) If we're going to adapt something in some form, this would be fucking tight. I thought it was fantastic. I think it would be visually amazing to see. Um, I've heard that it is kind of in production, but, you know, all that stuff falls through all the time, Mm -hmm. so you never know. But, yeah, again, it's like... 170 pages it's like of mice and men short and uh yeah I, like i said highly recommend it neil gaiman's one of my favorites and uh can't rave enough about it check it out now so for me i uh i threw on a little four-part series from netflix animated feature called resident evil infinite darkness Ooh, was this oh terrible wow you didn't get good? enough resident evil huh <laughs> so i wanted i wanted a palate cleanser i wanted something that was a little a little more like relevant Actually, story. Resident Evil. <laughs> yeah, a res- uh, like an actual relevant Resident Evil story. And There's basically, quite a few of these animated movies outside of this too, right? Yes, but this is still different. It, uh, it. There's some parts that are kind of retellings of some of the side games, but also some of it is just meant to kind of bridge a gap between uh, games four and five. Okay. The first episode felt like like there was still some cool stuff in like the the meat of the episode, but mm-hmm. the very end is where the intrigue really hits you. Because at this point, they're supposed to be, like, the infection is supposed to be basically centralized around Raccoon City and the surrounding areas. Raccoon uh, City. But uh, you find out that that things may have moved continents. Ooh. And shit gets very intriguing very quickly. Does it make it to Zealand? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I would highly suggest to check it out. It's four episodes. They're, like, 25 minutes long each. So it's a super quick and easy watch. Dialogue is is still goofy Resident Evil dialogue, but it's <laughs> in the game sense of goofy Resident Evil dialogue and not I'm Alice and I remember everything type shit. So <laughs> oh god, give me PTSD already. <laughs> I would suggest to check it out. I think that uh, they did a really great job of kind of tying things together and making something that actually helps to bolster the stories of the games. 
So awesome. if you haven't played all of them, which I know you you don't have a whole lot of experience with it, I would say maybe wait until we have at least played the the fourth game. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with one and a half recommendations on this one because one is a thing that I've finished and would highly recommend, and one is a thing that I just started, so I'm going to give it like a conditional recommendation. The first thing is going to be the newest Nicolas Cage vehicle, Pig. If you have not checked out this movie, I went into this thinking just like I did with uh, like Bob Odenkirk's Nobody, which with Nobody, I had this experience going in going, okay, this is just going to be John Wick, but with a different guy. And it was John Wick with a different guy, and I was hella bored. Funny version. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Pig, which I think most people thought from the trailer was going to be John Wick wants his pig back, but played by Nick- Nicolas Cage. This movie is nothing like John Wick. It goes in a completely different direction, and you can tell that the writer and director understood what people were expecting from this movie and went to subvert that intentionally uh this is a very emotionally impactful movie and really really digs deep into things like love and loss that i feel like john wick doesn't need to or doesn't care to explore in as much of in as much as this movie does it, it it's just like okay his, his wife's dead his dog's dead go <laughs> this is the, this is the whole movie is about is really about drawing that out and really showing what that kind of loss does to you um so i'd highly recommend that my conditional recommendation is something that i just started today and had been meaning to watch which is the harley quinn animated show um Mm. on hbo max uh i just started this and absolutely fucking fell in love with it i knew that this show was supposed to be an a, a more adult oriented show i did not realize just how adult it was from the very first like two seconds you have a bunch of white guys on a yacht going like Welcome to the club for only white people. And they're like going on. And then Harley Quinn shows up and she's like, listen up, motherfuckers. <laughs> and she's like screaming at them. And the Joker's like ripping a bloody face off of his own face. And it's it's pretty hardcore. And the uh, the voice acting is fantastic. The animation is great. And there are just some jokes that had me rolling on the floor with how clever they are. Perfect. That's going to wrap it up for Watch List this time around. And it's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. We hope that you enjoyed that again. Vote if you haven't. We look forward to sharing the winners with you next week, which is what we're going to be doing to round out the season. Other than that, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I have been Tone. I've been John. And I've been... For the penultimate time. I've been the penultimate internet dialing. (laughs) (laughs) Anthony. We'll see you next week. Keep it creepy. For exclusive episodes, early access, merchandise, and to support the show, head over to patreon.com forward slash Peak. Thanks to all our patrons for the support, and special thanks to our producers Chloe, Chuck, Rob, Jeff, and Josh. You can find Porcelain Peak on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. Wherever you listen, don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe so you never miss a Special thanks to Roger Jackson for introducing the show and to Randy Greer for composing the Porson Peak intro song. All episodes and additional content is written, produced, designed, and edited by the Porson Peak team, consisting of Anthony Perez, John Brasher, and Anthony Silva. This has been here for this fair weirdos production.